Welcome to The Follow-Up, a podcast by Quorum Day of Church, where we break down the truth of Sunday's sermon and make them applicable to your everyday life. Welcome to The Follow-Up, everyone. My name is Billy Glosson, and with me is Jen James. Hello. And Michael Tooley. Hi there. We are looking back at this past Sunday's sermon where we looked at Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 27, these two interactions that Jesus has with the uh, religious elite of his day. And so I'll go ahead and read the passage and then we'll talk about it. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring, and the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead but of the living. You are quite wrong. We looked at these two interactions, and though they're dealing with different topics, the the idea is that this is the final week of Jesus's life. The first is an attempt to discredit Jesus, and the second interaction is an attempt to ridicule Jesus. And as we talked through these passages, there was a lot that kind of came up more specifically to us. For example, how do we engage uh, in the world uh, as, as, how do we engage in the world civically as good citizens, as good neighbors? And then how do we um, interact with scripture, right? Do we want scripture to just say something that we want it to say? And all of these different things um, that kind of popped up along the way. Um, If you haven't listened to the sermon, I would encourage you to do so. You can find it just before this in the podcast. But a couple of things that popped up as we read this passage is just kind of how we interact with one another and really how we interact with the Word of God. So the first question I kind of ask you guys is, thinking about this, it's really easy to see how the Herodians and the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, they're trying to ridicule Jesus, because they know how big of a hot-button issue taxes are. If Jesus says, no, you don't have to pay your taxes, well then, great, Rome will come and rid them of their problem. But if Jesus says, you do have to pay your taxes, well then, that presents a whole other problem. Everyone's going to be like, oh, we thought he was the Messiah, I guess he's pro-Rome. But Jesus just dupes everyone in saying, actually, the reality is, you should pay your taxes, that this image is made uh, with Caesar's likeness, so render to him those are his. If he wants it, he can have it. But you are made in the image of God, so you should give to God what is his, which is your very self. So 
if we are to do that, if we are to live our lives, as Romans 12 says, a living sacrifice, and then in addition to that, as Romans 13 says, be good citizens, how do we kind of set our minds on things above when it feels like everything around us wants to pull them to things here below? Well, I think, I mean, just going super practical, I think a piece of this is about, man, putting down whatever echo chamber you prefer. I think for most of us, it's probably our phone. But um, even with that, like even if you're you're thinking, well, okay, but I can't do that. Like maybe I work in media or like I have to use technology as part of my job. Okay, but even in your use of technology, thinking about what are those voices that you're trusting like, do I trust XYZ media source more than I trust Jesus? Do I trust this person? Even if it's a person that you know, like, how am I listening? How am I kind of curating the the people and things that I allow to speak into my life? Um, because it's not bad to know about the news. It's not bad to know about what's going on in the world. But it is bad to only kind of let yourself see things from one perspective, particularly if that's not a eternal perspective. So I think really kind of thinking about what do I listen to? What do I read? What do I look at? And from what direction is it coming? Because your mind will automatically go to the things that you force into it all day long. Yeah. It, it, what that makes me think of is this question. Uh, what are you hungry for? Like, what are you thirsty for? Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, they, they will be satisfied. And so I think it's like, what are you feasting on? And we want so badly for, um, we want to be involved in what's relevant. Mm -hmm. And so I think we kind of crave controversy and conflict. And there's plenty, like it's a buffet right now. Um, but I think there's something to be said about hungering and thirsting for God and, and, and trusting that he is who he says he is. Um, that, makes a real difference in the everyday life. And it, it's, you know, it might be as simple as a decision as like, I'm not going to read the news until the afternoon or until I've spent time with God, not just like read my Bible. Cause for me, I'll like read a devotional. I'll read a couple of passages of scripture and then I flip right over to Facebook and I'm just like, well, I read my Bible, mm -hmm. but just like doing it to check it off the list is not the same as like, have you dwelt with the Lord today? Do you know God? Do you know who he is? He is the God of the universe and he's sovereign over what's happening right now. And he is trustworthy. He is good. Yeah. And I think that really makes me think, Michael, about how what we hunger for is so shaped by what we habituate to. So like my example that I thought of as you were talking is like, man, every time I know I'm coming to the office, I'm like, I start to physically crave Diet Sun Drop because I'm like, I know Billy has it in the fridge. Like, I know this is something I'm going to have access to. And my like body will be like, yeah, we're going to do that. Um, and, but it's the same thing with what we hunger for in our hearts. Like, mm. if when I'm stressed, I always go to this source or I always t pick up this piece of media. I always talk to this person. Or when I am worried about like the state of our country, I listen to this voice. I trust this voice our hearts start to hunger for that when we're in distress, when we're in trouble, when we're hurting. Um, we hunger for the things that we feed ourselves with. Mm. And so I think it's it's first thinking in my stress, first look to Christ. 
And then, so, you know, if you're stressed about something that's happening in the world, something that's happening in the country, something that's happening even in our city, it's not bad to look to these places to be, to, you know, become more educated to understand what's happening. But I think when we first feed ourselves with Jesus, then that's where our cravings start to come is then when something bad happens, your craving isn't like, oh, I need to know what this pundit said about this. It's like, man, I need to know what the word says about this. Yeah. And that takes, you know, regular practicing rhythms, right? You know, Definitely, you should hunger for the word of God, not sun drop, but that's okay. You know, I'm glad that we have that in the fridge for you, Jen. Um, okay, so one of the things that I've done practically is, man, I would just say really, really helpful. So you're saying, okay, I get it, Billy. Um, I hear you, Jen. I hear you, Michael. Like, we should not be consuming so much on social media and the news. So what can we do? Well, easily, right, we could all delete our apps and, and, and go and be recluses. And, you know, I think for many of us, deleting social media would not be a bad thing. But um, I want to give you a quick, easy, helpful resource that I've just started using. There is, um, you can Google it. It's called The Pour Over. And three times a week, it's curated news. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And what it is, is they'll give you just as unbiased, like, here's what happened. And then right after it, a thought um, about how we should be thinking. So I'll give you an example real quick because I have it pulled up here. So this is from yesterday. It talked about the... uh, hurricane that just hit in Louisiana. And it said, hey, it was one of the strongest storms to hit the state since the 1850s. Uh, it made landfall as a category four. They're expecting this much um, you know, money. These are some of the things to do. And then it says, be doers um, right after that. And it says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. It says natural, de- natural disasters are devastating, create enormous need for volunteer labor and financial support. Jo- mm-hmm. Consider joining in the recovery efforts by showing up and supporting disaster relief organizations. Just like really practical ways of like, what do I do with this information? It's been really helpful for me. I am someone who, uh, on the onset of this pandemic, just a funny story to go back in time a little bit. It feels like it wasn't that long ago, and yet it was. Um, I was attempting to stay off of my phone as much as possible. I had deleted all social media apps and was kind of really just trying to fast and trust the Lord. And then the next thing I knew, I was getting texts about, hey, are we going to have a gathering on Sunday? And so very quickly, I went from like no social media to social media overload. I was putting out devos every week and on the news. And I get it. It's Mm -hmm. a very, like Michael said, right now we are living in a time where it's a buffet. So how can we kind of curate that down a little bit? to just intake a little bit, I think that would be good. But then more important than that is if you don't, if you don't hunger for the word of God, if you don't establish a rhythm of getting into the word, then friend, you're never going to, right? It's not just going to, you're not going to fall into it accidentally. You have to be intentional about this, about saying, I need to set practices and principles to let the word of God dwell in me richly. I I think that brings up an interesting thing though of, because we, we're always, we're trying to think of like, okay, practical application, like real, like this is like maybe Thursday and the week has been rough. And it, it's easy to turn that into like checklist mode. And a lot of us love to do like the all or nothing, like cold turkey, like, all right, delete all the apps, do all this kind of thing. And I think if, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've tried, I've tried so hard to develop those rhythms. It's so hard. My kids just started school the the mask stuff like whatever it is with you know how stressful life can be i think it just starts uh, going back to bartimaeus like 
right now, wherever you are, just saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. Like asking God to give you better desires. Um, and, and just like drinking from the well, asking, those are the kind of prayers that God, our father delights to answer of like, Lord, will you draw me closer? Will you show me the times in the day where I've said, I don't have time for that. Will you just like reveal it to me when I'm Netflixing it up, you know, like, Hey, this is one of those moments where you have time. Why don't you come like feast on the word instead of hitting next episode? Yeah. And I think if I can talk neuroscience for one quick sec, (laughs) as we work to like break those addictions, like we are getting dopamine from social media and even from uh, kind of doom scrolling, right? We know that doesn't make us feel better, but it does scratch that itch in our brain that's searching for something. And that search is meant to point us to Jesus. Um, but I think it's easy to, to kind of like Michael was saying, to feel like, oh, that's too big of a task. But man, what gives you joy in your creator? Like go for a walk outside, look at a bird, pet a dog, like find that thing that helps call your heart back to the source of its affections. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that's how we break those addictions because man, it's Satan delights in, in giving us these things that at, at first we think, Oh, this has given me life. I love this. But then by the end, it's not giving us anything at all. Right. And it's costing us everything. Absolutely. So, Hey, here on the other uh, thought of this is we live in a time that's extremely polarizing to have any idea or any opinion feels almost like you're making a huge stand. How in the world do we engage our neighbor who thinks differently than us? How do we kind of have this cheekiness that Jesus has in the way that he responds to people who seek to discredit and defame him uh, to where he is like pointing them back to deep truth? How do we love one another well? I'm asking a lot of questions of you guys. Just a couple. Um, I think one big piece of this is we have to know who our enemy is. So if you guys know me at all, you know, like I like to pick a fight about something that's inconsequential. Uh, that's kind of how I live my life. What? But um, something I think Jesus teaches us and something that we see throughout scripture is your enemy is not a fellow image bearer of God. Right. Your enemy is seeking to steal and kill and destroy. Like don't help him. Uh, and I think that's something that I have to remind myself when I get frustrated about things that do matter is like the enemy here is, you know, not something that happened in the country or around the world. The enemy is death. The enemy is sin. The enemy is like hate. And we can stand strongly against those things. And it helps us remember like this person is not the enemy. This person is looking for the same thing we're looking for. And we have a common enemy, which means we can be, you know, brothers in arms, even if we disagree a lot, because we have such a strong common enemy that it can unite us. That's really good. I think also that, um, I don't know, I just look at Jesus and what he did. And he, as he interacted with people that were trying to trap him and stuff like that, but as he interacted with the people that weren't trying to trap him, he... We see in scripture that he saw them, he sees, he looks, he knows their heart, and he listens. And so I think, you know, your neighbor needs exactly what you need. Your neighbor needs Jesus. They don't need the answer. So, and a lot of times, like, when they come with their opinions, 
Like our instinct is to be like, well, no, here's why you're wrong. And here's how I can prove it wrong. Um, but we've said this a few times, you know, in staff meeting and stuff like, well, what if we pointed them to Jesus instead of like trying to give them an answer? A lot of times they're not even asking for an answer. They're just like, here's my thoughts. And what would it look like if we just listened to that and heard it out? And then if they said, what do you have to say about that? You know, and we redirect their conversation to, man, it's crazy. I, I don't know, but I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you know? Um, so I, I think that's going to make a huge difference in how we interact with people is if, if we are not so set out on like making sure that our opinion is heard and that our opinion um, is the right thing and that we correct their thinking. It's like, we don't need to correct their thinking. We just need to share the hope of the gospel with them. Yeah, I think the gospel lovingly disarms us. We, we kind of are in a place where we want to go to war over everything. You know, you, you casually, you know, mentioned the mask thing. I remember when the case, case rate started rising here and me thinking about how do I say something about this on Sundays? I guess we want to love our people well and potentially, you know, we're thinking of kids who, you know, are vulnerable in, in certain ways. And then, oh, it's just so heavy, right? I should, I, I should not have to be so terrified, right, to go and speak up about any of these issues, yet that's the world we live in because we are constantly on edge, ready to fight, ready to go to fisticuffs over every single thing. And I'm talking about, I've seen everything from people who work at fast food places to whether or not we should wear masks. Like, everything is an issue today. If everything is an issue, then nothing is an issue. And so if that is the case, where do we go for hope? And I think I go back to what Jen said who is our enemy? Our enemy is someone who wants our joy to be completely and totally eradicated, who wants to take our hearts and our minds and our focus off of Jesus and put them firmly on things here below. Friends, we have to be those who go to the word for life and for hope and to see that we should set our minds on things above right? Ephesians ends and it uses, right, military image where it talks about the armor of God. And it does that because we are going to be barraged by lies, deceit all over the place. But if we are equipped and ready to know who God is, what he has done and what he calls us to, well, then we can actually be not only as image bearers, but we can be those who bear the hope of the gospel to the world. And I think it's important to note, like, if you're hearing in this and you're like, yeah, but, like, if we all hold hands and sing kumbaya, like, the world's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. I think my challenge to you would be, do you hate the stuff that has a grip on your heart as much as you hate stuff that doesn't impact your life? Mm. Like, because that's, that's something that I am convicted about a lot. Like, I may hate some public policy thing that's very many steps away from my daily life. But I don't hate the fact that I will waste an hour scrolling through. I don't know what on my phone. I don't hate that. And I should, because it is taking my joy. It's taking my time. It's making me tired. It's like, it gets me caught in the cycle that is only causing harm to me and to the people in my life. I don't hate that. And instead I hate people And I hate people who disagree with me specifically. And that's so dumb. So I'm not saying, and I don't think any of us are saying, the world's fine, just be happy. Like we're saying, hate those things that are stealing from you and and killing you and destroying you. 
because that's not God's best for you. Like, it's okay to have anger and frustration. It's okay to look at the world and be like, man, hard day. Yeah. But then we have to remember, like, put the joy where where you want to invest in joy and then abhor those things that are are not good for your soul. Yeah. I mean, the things in this world, right? Again, we all would acknowledge, all three of us, that the world is broken. And guess what? All three of us disagree on different things politically and ideologically. But we come together under the banner of Christ. Because when we see a broken world, our hearts cry, Maranatha. We desire for Jesus to bring hope, peace. We desire for Jesus to bring justice. It's this, and it's this simply, kingdom over everything. If your heart and your mind is not focused on the kingdom of Christ, if any part of you is saying, oh, this will make me happy, this political persuasion, this ideological thing, this fun thing that I enjoy, if it's anything other than the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, friend, it will fail you. It will. Yeah. We need Jesus. With that being said, I think we're going to bring this one to a close a little bit longer, but it's something that we are passionate about. Guys, we live in volatile times, and we have a Savior who has dealt with them. He has taken all of our brokenness and our shame to the cross, and he has put it in the grave, and he stepped out bringing resurrection hope. So let's look to him. Let's cling to him. Let's have hope. Um, we, we like to recommend resources um, that are available on our resource table from time to time and also ones that you can pick up. A really, really excellent book is a book called Jesus Outside the Lines by Scott Sauls. Um, I mentioned it whenever we were getting ready to record and Jen said, ooh, yes. And we actually talked about another Scott Sauls book because he's a great writer. But this is a really, really, really good book. Um, We would highly recommend it to you. We'll have a couple copies on the resource table. We'll also have a link in the show notes if you want to snag a copy of that. But guys, we're so thankful um, that you tuned in. We pray and hope that you guys would be encouraged and blessed as you seek to set your minds on things above and render to God the things that are God's. Thanks again for listening to the follow-up. You can find our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, wherever. To learn more about the life of the church, you can follow us at our website, corumdeonc.com. 